0: So today on the show, we're going to talk about what to do when a wholesale deal goes south. And I'm not talking about going to Florida. I'm talking about what do you do when a wholesale deal you think you're going to make forty grand on gets squirrely for whatever reason might be. And there might be title issues. There might be buyers trying to snake you. You might have sellers trying to bail on you. We're going to cover this because this is something that people don't like to talk about because... Not that fun to talk about. So, Michael, um, let's just start with you. I got a great story I'm going to share with an out-of-state property, but let's just get into like your experience because you've been doing this primarily in Long Island. So, I mean, that's uh, that's a market where uh, you got to know what you're doing. You can't uh, you can't be a noob. Oh, you can be a noob, but it's uh, you got to work with someone like you to start. <laughs> Shameless.
1: So, so, um, so wholesale deal can go bad for a few reasons, right? It could be a title issue, which happens a lot. Sometimes a deal is not salvageable. If there's a title problem that you didn't count on, sometimes it goes bad because the seller gets wind of the fact that you are wholesaling it and you may not have told him. you're going to talk about a story that just happened to you about that. And sometimes it can go bad uh, for, for other reasons. Um, it could be a tenant issue, right? There is very often you'll, you'll buy a property and the seller will agree to provided vacant and then they think the tenant's going to leave and the tenant doesn't leave so there are, all, there are all kinds of things that can happen and as a wholesaler you are really stuck in the middle on a lot of these situations yeah. and people don't really understand that like a lot of the gurus out there say this is a risk-free easy schmeezy situation where you're going to get to some lock a deal up find the buyer for it collect your your twenty thousand dollar checks you know and uh, while you're sitting on a beach but the truth is, a lot of things can go wrong once you have a property locked up and even after you have both sides locked up. So I'm going to talk about some kind of title issues that can show up. Greg, you just had a situation which is very interesting where another wholesaler sort of or another investor buyer. sort of tried oh, yeah. to screw you and the buyer found out about it and you had to talk them off a ledge. And then we can talk about other situations uh, because these happen all the time. Um, so I have a situation right now going on, which is very good uh, wholesale deal. It's a $70,000 deal. Um, but one of the people on title is dead and the I'm buying the property from the other person. So let's talk about the roller coaster ride that happened. So I, I thought that the both people on title were married to each other. Now the way it works in most states, certainly in New York is if a, if a wife a spouse dies, the other spouse automatically inherits them. So the fact Even if that the, they're not on the deed? No, if the, I'm saying if they're both on the deed, right? Yeah. So we two people on the deed who I knew were married at some point, um, and one I know passed away. What I thought is they were married when she passed away. But then I found out they were divorced for 30 years before. Oh. she passed. So I immediately thought we're in big trouble because I know she has children from, from some other, from another uh, party, not just the, the person who's the seller is selling it to me and they might be heirs. And that, these are the kinds of things that get complicated. Not that is not that that situation is not salvageable. If There's $70,000 of spread on it. You sometimes can go to the heirs and offer them money and sometimes they'll take it right you know there's a property you're entitled to some money but you know would you take five thousand dollars and walk away sometimes they don't even know about the property they're always around it, but sometimes it's a deal killer right because they look at the numbers and they're like somebody's taking advantage of me and i'm not going to sign off on it in my situation i was blessed by the lord in that the they took title not as husband and wife but as joint tenants now i i remember I had to take many tests where I had to know the difference between joint tenants and tenants is common. I don't remember what they were, but I do do know now that if you take title with another party as joint tenants, and literally on the deed it was written with a little arrow, it says as joint tenants, or joint tenants, and then it's almost like they were married, and my seller automatically inherited the per- the person, his ex-wife who had died. So I'm okay. The problem, of course, is that he didn't know where she was. She passed away, and the, the title company now wants, and rightfully so, proof that she's dead. They want a death certificate. And uh, we had attorneys working on finding this in, in the area where, where the house is located, and we had no luck. And finally, I did some skip tracing. I found that she lived in South Carolina for a while, and we found that, that, that thank God for us, she died in Charleston, and we can get a death certificate. Of course, we are having taking us three weeks to get a death certificate for them. And at this point, I may literally book a ticket for the seller to fly to Charleston to go pick up a physical death certificate. Where's the seller? Sells so in Louisiana. So I might do that. Um, but that's the kind of thing you sometimes you have to do, right? So this was a deal where I thought I thought it was great, then I thought it was gone, zero. Now I think it's great again, and now there's a there's a glitch. So things like this happen all the time. Right now, there are there are people people like us that hire someone called a transaction coordinator, which is a person whose job it is just to get a deal from contract to closing. Sometimes on both sides, from the sell from seller to you, from you to the to the, to the buyer, to the cash buyer. Um, but in New York, really because we have attorneys, they take a lot of that 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 bulk of They do a lot of that. They're supposed to, if you have a good attorney, they should do a lot of that transaction coordination. There was a time where I thought I might hire a transaction coordinator because I had so many deals that are just languishing. And I thought if somebody was there just to pester people, it might work. Also, I had a lot of properties that were, I still have it now, where I have uh, um, tenants in them, which we can talk about later, and I want someone just to pester them, like, are you getting out of there? Like, they're supposed to leave. You're not leaving, but what's the story? I have a bunch of evictions going on, I just got a call today. Of course, Monday is Jewish holiday. I got a call today that I am eviction scheduled on Monday. I had to push it off because I have to show up there and pay the – pay everybody, pay the moving company. So I had to push it. But um, there's a lot that goes on between when you get it locked up and when it actually closes. And these are things that happen, happen all the time. You need to be prepared for them. You need to know how to deal with them. Sometimes they can be fixed. Sometimes they can't.
0: Yeah, no. And and this is what people don't like to talk about because, you know, it's in theory, you find a desperate seller, motivated, reasonable seller, whatever you want to say. You find a cash buyer who's licking his lips for a deal like meat and a steak. You put them together and, you know, you buy your yacht. But at the end of the day, especially, I say this, especially in our area or any really competitive area, you know, or, or an area where there's high value of properties, this stuff's going to happen more often you know than not. And, and at the end of the day, you know, I've, I've found, you know, you mentioned your title issue thing and you know, I had a little, basically my business like three years ago was like, I was like a private investigator. I would just locate these jacked up houses and I would find the heirs and I would take these airship affidavits to the, to the attorney or title company and we would get these big deals done. And you know, that still happens from now. We have another one right now actually up in Dutchess that's like jammed up because it's like a probate issue. But you know the title issues—the is main thing. You know that—that that stuff. That and in New York, you know, I was telling this. I did my webinar yesterday, and I was like, "Listen, cash conversion cycle in New York is garbage. When you have title issues, it's it's garbage times two. I mean, you're you're just you have all this pipeline revenue, and and it's it's not actualized, right? Because it's sitting in the attorney's office. So you need to understand that is a reality of this business, especially when you're buying distressed properties from distressed sellers. I mean, they're 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 normally gonna have title issues for a reason, right? So here's another thing that can happen that, that this is not as common as, as a title issue, but I'll share a quick story. I'm not gonna mention any names or anything. I'm gonna say this was an area that was not in New York. I'm not gonna disclose the state in case someone's listening, but uh, <laughs> this actually just happened. Um, we, we got a house after going on two appointments, Brent on my team locked it up at a, at a, really, at a really good price that, that worked for everyone. Uh, we put it out to our database for uh, a nice profit. And I actually did the Robert Wensley. I did a buy it now and I got 15K over the buy it now or no 10K over the buy it now. So I got 10,000 over the buy it now because I had multiple offers at the buy it now. And I'm like, brother supply and demand. So we got this thing assigned great deal. And I'm doing a webinar. This is yesterday. I'm doing a webinar and I'm my phone is nowhere. Like I'm not touching my phone. I got, you know, 20 people who paid me on the phone. Like I'm not going to do that. I look at my phone after this webinar and I get a, a call from Brett, missed call, another missed call. Yo, we're screwed on XYZ property, call me. And I'm like, what the hell? I call and I'm, I'm a calm, I'm, I'm, I'm much calmer than I used to be. Hey, what's up, bro, how you doing? <laughs> dude, this dude investor is trying to send us, he sent the email to the seller. So, so what happened was this investor on my list, will go unnamed, took an email from uh, me and sent it to the seller and the email was my property advertised that was their property marked up a quite bit quite 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 handsome profit and uh, there was some 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 dan kennedy copywriting there that 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 may have persuaded someone to to take action because i may have done that once or twice and the seller calls up brett goes bananas on him like crazy on Brett and Brett's just like cuz he just deals with the acquisitions. What is
1: the sell? Give, give an example of what the seller was saying to Brett. The
0: seller goes, "Oh my gosh, some some other buyer who I was talking to sent me this email and it looks like there's meat on the bone. You guys are, you know, bunch of, you know, crooks and this that and I'm like, you know, and I'm I'm still calm. I'm not yelling, I'm not raising my voice. There's no I I used to do that and it does serves no purpose. So I'm like, okay, we, we come up with solutions. We don't, you know, we don't escalate problems. I said, this is what we're going to do. We're going to find out who this jerky is, as, as you would say. We are going to call the owner and we're going to work this out. So I get the jerky on the phone. I get him to say his case. It was complete BS. So we ended up just saying like, okay, the, the objective of that call was to see what was going on. The end result was he told me he wasn't going to communicate with the seller anymore. And I said, fair. So then we call the seller seller doesn't answer. I said, listen, it's like eight o'clock at night. We're going to take off for the night. Cause there's no need to call these people after eight o'clock. So I call them this, this morning or, may, may or maybe. It's
1: also, sometimes it's also better to wait to let them to calm down a little bit.
0: Yeah. To, for them to deescalate. So we call it, we get them back on the phone and I, I had my Chris Voss hat on New York jets hat and uh, Hey, they're doing good this year. And I, I pretty much everything I've learned up to this time about like empathy and negotiating and seeing stuff some, from someone else's side I put my best, uh, put my best stuff together, and uh, I wish I recorded that call. Um, but anyway, we got the seller off the ledge. We got them to now. Well, why don't
1: but, you summarize what you said to the seller? Okay. Because I, I you basically
0: told me I said, well, I, I, I This is how I like. My, I went into this call with a very like uh, with high intentions on how I wanted to frame it because I really had one shot to to do this, or else it was going to go down the drain. I said, "Listen, uh, the first thing I wanted to cover, and I'll explain how I did it." I said, "I want to confront the truth." Like I'm not gonna deviate from what happened. Because if you don't, if you dance around the root cause, it it tends to not get solved. So I I said, listen, our intention is to help you. And our second intention is to make a profit on this house. These are the two ways we make a profit. We buy homes, fix them up, and resell them. Sometimes when we have a lot of inventory, we will simply sell the home to another investor for a profit off the bat. But either way, Mr. Prospect, Mr. Seller, we were going to close on this house whether we sold it to an investor or not. And if we were just going to try to sell this to an investor, you would have known that in advance. And Brett, that's part of our process. If we're only going to wholesale it, we tell them if we're going to buy it, no matter what, we just go forward and we, we wholesale it if we want. And if we don't want to wholesale it, we, we buy it. So I told them the truth. And I said, listen, you know, we're getting a good price. You agreed to the price and you know, we're making a profit. Is that correct? And he agreed to me. I said, if I were in your shoes, this is where the empathy." So then the second thing I did was I, I, I met the seller from where they were. Not where they are because they were in a bad spot yesterday. I said, if I was in your shoes, I totally get why you'd feel like you got ripped off. You saw the house advertised for X. We agreed to buy the house for Y. And the fact that I said there was meat on the bone doesn't make you feel like a smart person. And I get why you feel that way. And I apologize for communicating that message to my audience. I apologize for that. And I get you feel like you got taken advantage of. And if I was in your shoes, I would probably feel the same way. And that's true. Because if I was an 85 year old seller, of course I'd feel that way. I said, And so I I dealt with the truth, confronted the seller, and I acknowledged their feelings. And then I I communicated that we are taking a next step by moving this deal to the finish line. I said, it's our obligation to get you from this property up to your new property in the easiest process possible. So going forward, you have my word. There's going to be no shenanigans. There's going to be no BS. I guarantee you we're going to close. And then I threw in some humor at the end. You always want to end a tough negotiation like that with humor. So I made a little relevant joke up that was, you know, pertaining their situation. I got them to laugh. Brett ended up going back to the property, meeting them in the flesh again to make sure we calmed everything down. They appreciated the visit. And now we're back on track. But here's the big takeaway if you want to, if you want to implement this, this will happen to you. Okay. I have another story I can tell you about this actually happening in New York. And actually I want to tell that story. So remind me. Um, but you need to deal with these kind of problems like a rational, calm human being. I wouldn't advise acting like Michael when a squatter's involved in this. I would not advise that. Right? We've done shows on that. He's an expert. I would, I really, I would not advise.
1: I would not advise it either. I
0: I, I really want to hire your services soon. But anyway, um, some our, this. One of our
1: mutual friends who was on the webinar asked me if I if, if I can come help him with
0: a squatter situation. Oh yeah. Oh gosh. You tell me offline who that was. I'd love to hear that. But. So you got to deal with this like a calm, normal person. And I'll be very blunt with the audience right now. If this was me two years ago, I would have been screaming. I would have been yelling. I would have been threatening. I would have been, you know, my ego would have taken front seat. My emotions would have gotten the best of me. And I would have probably made this deal go bye-bye by being an ego-driven lunatic loaded with testosterone in my house by myself, you know, with no one around me screaming, I do not know. I don't I know. I no longer participate in that behavior, Michael. So that's good news. So you got to handle this like a normal, calm, rational person, because if you start speaking up to people, they're going to match you, right? The, the, buy, the, the, the jerk's going to match you. The seller's going to match you and the productive we'll defend- outcome will get
1: defensive right away.
0: Yeah. It's going to go right down the drain. So you never want to con- confront people and call them out. You want to acknowledge what they did, and then ask them why they did that. Right? That's like a big way to communicate if you want to have productive productive results. So you have to act like a calm, rational person. You have to get the facts on the table, and then discuss a solution. I'm, I just rambled there for ten minutes. So what? what oh, no, you- that was good. I think it's a
1: great story. But you said there was another story in New York where something similar. Oh yeah.
0: Okay. Here's another one. This one. This one. Same deal. So actually, this is a better story actually. so this actually wasn't that long ago. This was like three months ago. So we got a property from an online channel and the owner was really motivated. And this is actually in Pleasant Valley. I can, I can say that. So it was up in Pleasant Valley, good area. And we looked at the deal and Brett was dealing with the seller and I was looking at the property and I was kind of like, dude, I don't know if I want to buy this thing. It's a little tight, but I think we can wholesale it and we probably make like, you know, 15, 20 grand and, and just assign it over to someone. So we, des- we determined that we were not going to close on this property. So our only offer to the seller was we want to tie it up on an option, have the ability to market the property, find a buyer within five days or bail. So I set the expectations with Brett and he set the expectations with the seller. We're going to only wholesale your house. If you want this price, we need our terms and we're going to see where this is in five days. And he acknowledged that. He was happy as a clam, signed the paperwork right away. No resistance. By the way, this seller was an attorney. Guy was an attorney, smart guy, not a dummy. So we put the property out to our big, massive list in New York. And there's another gentleman. I want to call him out, but I won't because I'm just, I got to stick to my word and saying I'm a calm, rational guy. Anyway, this jerky, I just, his name starts with a B. He gets wind of my email. Yeah, you you might not know, him, but um, he gets wind of my email because he was competing with me on the property. There was multiple investors fighting for this thing. And because we were really transparent with the seller, he liked that and he decided to go with our proposal. So this jerk sends the email right to the seller, similar to my story I just told. The seller calls, uh, he actually called me the seller. And he said, hey, I saw my property advertised for a profit. And uh, I said, yeah, that's exactly what I told you to do that I was doing. He's like, we are we clear about this?
1: Yeah,
0: yeah he goes, oh, yeah, that's no, fine. I just I just figured I'd let you know. I said, by the way, who sent you that email? He goes, oh, blah, 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 blah. And I said, oh, OK. Got it. Thanks letting me know. <laughs> I, I, I get right on my computer. I type this guy and I find him right away. I start texting people. Hey, do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? Do you know this guy? I call the guy, doesn't answer my calls for a while because he's being a coward. I said, um, I said, listen, I'm not going to yell at you. I'm not going to scream at you. I just want to have a conversation about what happened with this property. And he was like, Oh, I mean... I was kind of talking to the seller and we like kind of had a deal. And then I guess he sold it to you. He was just giving me this like loosey goosey. I said, listen, I get it, man. It's a tough world out there, but listen, we have an agreement with the process with the seller. We're going to, we're going to go forward on an agreement. And that's the bottom line. So I just, I don't appreciate you reaching out to the seller. I wouldn't do that. If you had it under contract, if you sent me an email, I would assume you had it under contract. Therefore I'm going to back away. And if, if we were competing and you won and I lost, I'm cool with that. That's fine. But Just don't do that again. I don't appreciate that. I wish you the best of luck. Uh, Very cordial. I don't care if that guy likes me or not. If I saw him in person, I'd probably not say hi to him. I'd probably be like, loser. But, um, you know, that happens. You got to act like a normal, sane person. By the way, no.
1: I I think there's more. It's not just normal, sane person. You are acting like a professional and they are acting unprofessionally. (laughs) Correct. Correct. It is unprofessional to be such a sore loser when you don't get a deal that you want to then – hurt the guy who did get the deal it's just yes. unprofessional it unprofessional. never makes you look better you yeah. in both situations look like the professional and these guys acted unprofessionally so i think that's it's and that and i think it's it's very hard when you're hard. starting in this business and you don't know and you and you're counting on each deal and then the deal you think is a lock someone else throws out there it's happened to, it's happened to both of us i'm sure it's happened to me a, dozens of times it happens right I didn't get the deal. Someone else got it. I never in a million years would think, "Oh, I'm going to screw that guy so that I can end up getting the deal." What are the chances of that happening? What are the chances of me telling the seller that guy's trying to sell it at a profit, so therefore sell it to me? Never going to happen. It so, blows your
0: credibility right out the window. You you look like a total knucklehead doing that.
1: Seem un- unprofessional is what you are. Yeah, and uh,
0: you, you like sound desperate. Very- you, you honestly sound desperate when you do that. You sound 100%. like a complete desperate person.
1: Hundred percent.
0: And by the way, the the guy in New York is probably 50 years old and I am half his age. I could technically be his kid. And I I, I mean, honestly, you know, he acted like a like a 22 year old, you know, in this scenario. And I was disappointed by him.
1: I think we both know older people, although I am over 52, who are extremely unprofessional in anything they do. So that's the way that's the way it goes. It's what it is. So let me talk about another title issue that I'm actually going through right now. Um, So I have a deal. Very good deal. Very good area.
0: What area are we talking here?
1: It is in. East Meadow, New York, very highly sought. Expert.
0: Nassau County, baby.
1: Nassau County. And uh, seller uh, actually came through one of my students. So it's joint venture deal with one of my students. And seller, we agree on a price. I put it out to the list. I get tremendous amount of activity. I probably got 20 offers on it. And <laughs> Good for you. Settle on an offer. We're all ready to go. Buyer still wants to close. And then we find out that it's in probate in North Carolina.
0: Oh, what's up with you uh, in the Carolinas, man?
1: I don't know and um the person who signed the contract with us was not the pr the personal representative um in new york we call that an executor an executrix yeah. but it had never been probated so there was no personal representative um assigned by the pro by the surrogates court there so that now we're two months later we still don't have a, a pr a personal representative assigned. i think we're gonna get the deal i think it's gonna happen but it's like you know, the buyer's upset he wanted to close but these are the kinds of things that that happen. You just have to – got to suck it up. We had no idea what status the probate was in. Maybe we should have asked. But, um, w- but we were told we – actually, this, the, the person who signed the contract told us that she was the personal representative. So I'm like, great, then I think she has every right to do it. But I think she's got some mental issues. So uh, we're talking to a sister, I think, who's, gonna be, who's going to be um, appointed the personal representative of the estate, hopefully very soon, and then we can close on the deal. Like, these are the kind of things that happen. There's no – there's no way to avoid them. Hopefully the deal ends up closing, but sometimes a title issue can can kill the deal, right? In theory, in theory, if someone, if another person was appointed the personal representative who didn't want to sell the property to us, the contract we have is completely valid, oh, invalid.
0: Yeah. So it's normal. It happens. It's part of the game, you know. And, and, and the thing with title issues that I've realized is that, you know, at least in New York, they can get kind of complicated because there's heirs and stuff. So you have to deal with title issues one step at a time. So anytime I'm working on a title issue with an attorney, I'm like, listen, what's the next step we got to take? Because obviously there might be four or five steps. What is the next step? Is it a telephone call to the court? Is it a telephone call to a sibling? Is it, uh, you know, there's always one step you got to take. And then when you take that step and you achieve that step, you take the next step. And with your case, it's frustrating because especially when you have a big fat deal on the line and and you got a $70,000 payday at the end of the rainbow, you know, your future pacing that, oh, what can I do with that money? I can put it back into marketing. I can buy my yacht, whatever. And like, you're like, oh my gosh, if this goes away. So here's a takeaway for everyone. The deposit
1: of my yacht is only good for another two months.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I got to get an extension, the affidavit addendum. So here's the, here's how you got to look at this business too. Uh, And this, I learned this from Todd Toback, who's a great trainer out there. He says, If you don't want to be desperate, you have to always get leads, right? If you have a consistent stream of leads and opportunities coming in, listen, you're going to want to close the deals you have. You're not just going to like neglect stuff when there's any obstacles or resistance. But if you have enough leads coming into your business where you have a predictable pipeline, you're going to have a a better stomach for this kind of stuff. So the big rub I see with people, at least new people, is that they, they really struggle to get leads, whether that's a time thing or a money thing. And every opportunity they get, they're hugging it like it's a. They're
1: married. Kid. They get married to a property.
0: Yeah, they get married. Literally, they get married to a property. I
1: remember. I remember when I started. I was I married was there, to- man. But the point yeah. is, and when I was there, even this was like ten years ago. I said, I have to get to a point in my business where if a deal doesn't close, that there's another deal behind it, right? Yes. That's part of what you want to get to. And I remember when I had private lenders also, and I had a private lender call me and like, I'm getting divorced. I need my money back. I get have a heart attack. <laughs> you got to get you got to get yourself to a point where you have enough private lenders that if one of them leaves or two of them leaves, you're still okay. And it's the same thing with deals in your pipeline. You have to get to a point, and it's it's not going to happen right away. But you got to get to a point where where you can't be married to a deal. Where if a deal dies because of something out of your control, if the deal dies because of something in your control, then you really got to evaluate why you how you screwed up. Yeah. But If a deal dies because of a title issue that's out of your control, you can't be crying. You can't be. Uh, you have to have enough deals in your pipeline that you can live with that.
0: You got to move on. You got to move on. You got to move on. You got to be willing to. Take, and that's, it's interesting you say that because it's ironic because we had a property in Connecticut. This was earlier in the week, SEO lead, smoking hot. Like I look would you say like, SEO, SEO, Google oh, S- SEO, the thing comes in. Guy's asking a hundred grand below the as is value. And I'm like, Whoa. And Brett's Mm -hmm. like, dude, we got to get this thing. I'm like, Oh, it's in Bridgeport, not in the hood. I'm like, it's like no squatters. I'm like, Oh my gosh, we're going to rip this thing. We're going to make so much money. Oh my goodness. So we go through the sales process and we're like, this is our price. The guy committed to selling verbally in Connecticut. You can sign a contract up on the spot. We had the docu sign ready to go. Brett gave him 17 commitments. He's like, yes, 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 yes. We send the agreement over. Uh, He says, I'm going to list my house on the market with a realtor. And we covered that, or he covered that right in the beginning of the call. I don't want to list it. I don't want to list it. Speaks to his sister. His sister's like, you got to list it. He puts it on the, you know, that. And I said, listen, Brett, you did everything you had control over. There's not your fault at all. It's the seller's fault, not yours. I said, watch this, bro. We're going to have another deal come right around the corner. And guess what came right around the corner? A 35K deal. Two days later. That's what happens if you have enough leads, right? Easier said than done, but you have to have that mindset because when you, and even when you're negotiating, like if you don't, I just was on the phone with a guy. I'm like, listen, I want to buy your house, Fred, but if you want to shop around, I get why you want to do that. I'm not going to force you to sell me your house, but hopefully you notice me following up with you for two years. I'm pretty serious about buying it, obviously. But if you want to sell to someone else, that's totally fine. You know why? Because it is, it's all
1: good. And that's why, and that's, why and that's why, you probably have the best shot of buying that because the other person he's talking to is going to be like, What are you going to sign? What are you going to sign? Sell me your house. Sell me your house. Sell me your house. You know, hitting him over the head. And, and that's just such a negative experience. But the person, you know, when we talk about that in sales training, we talk about it a few times. But when you have the um, confidence to tell a seller, If this is not right for you, then I don't want to do business with you. Um, it's very different than what they're hearing from a lot of other people. And for when they hear it from other people, oh, I'm gonna go, you gotta tell me right away. It's uh, It turns them off. So it turns them off
0: big time. You know what I've realized too on that note that 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 works for us to like kind of get the best of both worlds is we just ask for a firm commitment at a reasonable date. We're like, listen, and we, you know, I, I just discovered this this week, actually. So we have a house that we're trying to buy. It's in foreclosure. It's a little hairy. And I'm like thinking that, I'm like, cause Brett's asking me what to do next. And I'm like thinking about it. And I said, you know what we should do? We should verbalize what's probably going to happen and let the seller decide what they want to do. So I said, Brett, you should say this. Hey, typically at this point, what happens is the communication tends to to kind of fade off. Uh, It's a little harder to get in touch with each other for whatever reason that might be. And if this is something you wanted to do, um, you know, we had a great conversation on the first call. Generally, after this, uh, it it can get a little, you know, get get a little kind of loose. Um, So we're obviously not pressuring you to, to sell us your house if you don't think it's a fit. If you want to shop it around, that's totally fine. We just want to kind of know, you know, within the next couple of weeks, if if this is something you want to do, we could at least set up a phone call to make that decision, whether that's a yes or a no. And and that way, you know, you know, you'd be selling, we know we're buying, we can make sure we have the resources available to close on your property. Because the truth is we are looking at a couple other properties, which is not a lie. And uh, we figured that's probably the best way to go about this. Mrs. Seller, you think that sounds fair? And we've saw that actually to get pretty good results when you want to kind of tighten the deadline bolt a little bit, but you don't want to like, like sell me your house, sell me your house, sell me your house. You kind of acknowledge what's going to happen and then you go forward with that
1: you make an appointment for the next call that's fine There's nothing wrong with that
0: yeah we'll just go with a, a simple commitment yes or no or my favorite is i'll learn this
1: from todd oh go ahead no you talk about, don't forget about todd but i'm saying you've given them permission to say no that's the, yeah. the that's the, the best part of it right it's huge
0: it, it the answer's no it's okay
1: no is okay. Yes is okay. I don't want a maybe, but I want a yes or no.
0: Yeah, no is fine. A no is, because if we're going to get a no in three months, I'd rather get a no now, right? Versus waiting, not following up what with
1: you. Say, what were you saying you got from Todd?
0: So the biggest thing I've learned from Todd, and I really speak highly of him, if he's listening, Todd, you're the man, is um, he talks a lot about getting commitments from sellers, right? And, and that's something that once we started implementing, it has really helped us get deals done shorter than we thought. Because What do
1: you mean? What do you mean when you say commitment
0: is just a decision, a decision on, are we going to do business? or Are we not going to do business? We were a little loose with that before we started really listening to Todd. And it was like, we had all these deals we thought we were going to get. And we did like this yes or no thing. And it just wasn't really flying that well. But once we started making it a point just to, Ultimately get to a decision one way or the other.
1: But but when do you do that? Do you make the commitment to make another phone call where you're going to make them commit or like, when do you, when do you make them?
0: We, we, well, we usually, what we've been doing recently is we do a phone call where they're going to decide yes or no, and there's no pressure, but that way they know when the next call happens, the objective is to just get to a decision one way or the other. And they know that we're not going to pressure them. But, but I, I think when you, when you're setting phone calls up, whether you're doing this yourself or you have a team or you're going on appointments. I mean, you generally do this on the phone if you've already seen the house. You just say, listen, um, if you wanna sell, we wanna make sure we have everything we need to buy. So all we ask for, if you think it's fair and you always wanna make it about them, if you think it's okay, if you think it's cool, next time we get on the phone on Tuesday at three, if we could just figure out whether we, we wanna, you wanna sell us the house or not, we're not gonna ask for a yes, but we're just gonna ask for a decision one way or the other. Does that sound like something we could agree to? And it, you know, it sounds a little salesy. I'll be honest with you, but it does work, and it's it's interesting because uh, it's,
1: you not know, sal- it's an agreeable realize, ask, it's a ask. It's not salesy, is because it could be a no, and that's fine. Yeah giving, yeah, yeah, giving them permission to say no is the is all the difference in the world from being someone who's just you know harassing them.
0: You know what? Because if you give someone to per, if you give somebody permission to say no, they can actually think about the decision on if they actually want to do it or not because they don't feel obligated to say yes. But if they only feel obligated to say yes, they're going to say no by default.
1: That's 100% right. That's the truth. That is the truth. <laughs> That's, That's, the cool. truth. That's why when we when we go to a, uh, <coughs> a used car lot and we need a used car that day and we're desperate for a car and a customer comes over and says, can I help you? And you say, just looking. It's because you know, you, you're afraid you're going to get pressure to say yes. Even though that guy can be the one guy that can help you get what you want, you're not going to be honest with him. If he goes, listen, if you don't want to buy, that's fine. Then maybe you'll say, okay, help me out. Now I'm looking. Now I'm I'm
0: looking. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, it's just human psychology. The more you study human behavior and how people, how people think, and then how you can communicate to them to get them to behave a certain way. It's like a license to print money. You know, you got to know marketing first. If you know marketing, you got to get people in the door, but once you got people in the door, you got this communication skill, you can basically write your own check. So covered a lot of ground today. I know Mike, it's getting, we're both in California. It's two o'clock, but I know you probably got better things to do. So. I hope everyone did get value from this episode. If you did, please share it online and leave us a review. We're going to keep more of these episodes coming. And until next time, we'll catch everyone on the next episode.